what's up dirty cones little bob marley and the whalers keep on moving in the morning it's thursday week's almost done can't quit on thursday because well friday's almost here and nobody quits on the weekend so the, the course has changed a little bit so i'll have to update my five tenths of assessment and selection and also my why you never quit well it's not mine it's uh adjusted and discovered from mr ross kilbride uh, a great american a good combat controller uh a regular combat controller too but i mean just like a good good dude and uh he was an instructor when i was going through and he used to say can't quit on Mondays because Mondays are eval days. So Mondays are pretty nice, easy. Can't quit on Tuesday because you're almost to the halfway mark of the week. So you're almost there. Can't quit on Wednesday because Wednesday is right in the middle. Like it's all downhill from there. Thursday, you can't quit on Thursday because Thursday is almost Friday. And you can't quit on Friday because nobody quits on the weekend. Um, I was telling some people the other day about how uh, a guy and I had a joke every time we'd start the run they'd say double time and we'd say some other time and then everybody'd be like hey you want to quit yeah we'll quit tomorrow all right we'll quit tomorrow and it was always our joke we just we'll quit tomorrow and uh i think one day and it, it, it wasn't even like a pause like like we really were seriously it was just like we think nah, nah. yeah we'll quit tomorrow and uh just that little joke, inside joke between he and I kept me laughing the whole time. Just interesting what what you can find that will humor you in maybe a humorless situation. There's lots of humor in any of these courses you go to. You just gotta which side of the lens are you looking on? Is it um, from the instructor side or from the student side? Uh, from the instructor side, there is hilarity all day. Uh, from the student side, hilarity when you see it, find it, and appreciate it. So we're, we're watching this new show. I don't know if it's new, but it's new to us on... I want to say Amazon called Vinland and it is about what well, sorts of anime and it's about Vikings and but Vikings realized or re-realized as samurai warriors and it is there's some very deep deep Well, sorry, so minor spoiler alert. Maybe a big... Eh, I won't. You, you think the story's going to be about one thing, and then the story turns into something deeper and grander and more life-entailing, I guess. But, so we're halfway through season one, we're about episode 13, 14. But
but in episode 8, which I had to rewatch yesterday because 8 and 9 and 10 had so much uh, going on that I missed one of the points. I knew there was this point that I was like, whoa, this is a really good... Did this cartoon just say this? And so I'm like, wow. But 9 10 rolled into each other pretty quick. Because we were on a roll. I mean, there was like, there was... It's, it's a very gory cartoon. I mean, there's... His Vikings raiding, pillaging. It's um, a little violent, <laughs> but I guess it's a cartoon, so it makes it okay. Or the lessons that you're learning are there, so that makes it okay too. Whatever I justify it with, it's pretty amazing. And so in this episode eight he's having a talk with his father and his father tells him that a man has no enemies and for me being a PJ I didn't have any enemies I was I'm, I'm here for the entirety of the planet whoever you are whatever you are wherever you are however bad it is it doesn't matter because we will come get you and help you and that's all that matters so a PJ has no enemies and a person has no enemies if they don't want to you don't have to look at somebody and say well they're different from me or they're bigger than me or they're no just human beings I mean maybe don't go walking around late at night in uh, certain countries or certain cities, but for the most part you, know, you don't have to be at war with the world if you don't want to. And I think if you walk through, there's a um, Buddhist teaching about walking with your hands open. And with your hands open if something comes into your possession or something leaves your possession with your hands open, it doesn't matter. There's no expectations. It just come and go. And it just is what it is. Being that I am here. If something's with me, then it's meant to be with me. If something's not with me, then it's not meant to be with me. And I... Funerals more, especially I think, and maybe even like high school graduations or things. It's it's about your saying goodbye to somebody. You know, the person's already dead, so you know the funeral's not really for them. It's it's for you, maybe to say some words about them, maybe for you to remember them, maybe. Maybe just to remember people, you know. I haven't I haven't seen you in years, um, and now I'm at your funeral, or you're at my funeral, or you know. And and I think it takes that I don't know final nail in the coffin for people to realize, you know, oh, well, 
this was a, a really good person. I'm, I'm glad I came here. I wish I'd spent more time with them. You know, it's sad that the only time we get to see each other is at funerals. So, I always thought that the Air Force should never skimp on body armor and funerals. Because if, if someone's given their life for all of this, the least we can do is send as many people there and let their family know that, you know, it's appreciated. Their sacrifice, the person's sacrifice, all that. So, we'll go in-depth into Vinland, but a cartoon that, that tells you you have no enemies, uh, but in a real... situation, but like in a real, something you can understand, but told through a cartoon. Uh, (laughs) I know you're like, uh, let's see, all these cartoons, Finding Nemo, you know, that you find comic books and, and cartoons are modern day legends, you know, myths heroes you're like um you look to a cartoon and not in like a reality kind of way but in a lesson in a moral in a what is the story what do you take away from it and so thank you to the makers of Vinland somebody you know took a chance on these guys and said Okay. Viking warriors as samurais. And it's about honor and family and uh, some powerful stuff. So wherever you get your morals or ideas or strength from, draw from that make the world a better place walk through unarmed if possible if not then be very well armed but I think of the rap song don't start no shit won't be no shit and I think that's a pretty good way to go through life so thank you for listening hope you guys have a wonderful day. Hope training's going well. And we'll talk later.
jealousy? Are they cruel to you? Are they ridiculing of you in some way? Because they've got to just sit there and go, I'm not, you know, football players back then didn't make a lot of money. You did. Did that separate you from your teammates? You know, every locker room has a whole lot of different characters in them. That's right. And a lot of them didn't like me from the start. Right. And that, I already understood that. I'd been in locker rooms at Alabama where I didn't understand where they were coming from till we learned about one another. So what does that mean, you didn't understand where they were coming from? Well, Race? segregation, yeah, yeah, segregation to start with. I didn't even know about that. I wasn't educated about segregation. I'm from Western PA, you know. You, you had a, uh, I think I have this right, at Alabama, you go there and you talk about race. Was your nickname the N-word? It started out, yes. Yeah, so one of the guys on the team called me, uh, yes. The N-word? Yeah, and it's even hard to say to now people take offense to it. But honky, yeah. look, guys are honky or white or blacky or nigger or whatever. You right. know, those are names, man. Right. And, you know, right. it's the way it's said. It's the way it's intended to me. If a guy is, is rude... He can say something else, and, but I don't like him being rude. So the guys in Alabama called you that because they saw a picture of you at a prom or something. Well, yeah. And there was a, a black woman and a white woman with you, and someone said, hey, is that your girlfriend? And you go, yeah, the white woman was your girlfriend, but he assumed you date black women. So therefore, back then, when you were accused of dating a black woman, your nickname becomes the N-word. Yeah, well... And people are saying it openly. You know, that was just one of two guys uh, that did that, and they were upperclassmen, and they were real uh, uh, jerks, you might say. Yeah. I think Coach Bryant uh, told these guys some things, uh, too, or how to treat guys from other, other areas of Pennsylvania. And I question, what I learned, Howard, is these guys, whenever I went through their four years with these guys, five years, and I go back, that's like a second home. I don't like the idea of how people are biased. And, but that's it. It starts at home. And we said this earlier. Those teammates of mine, that's all they knew. Right. They were brought up at home with their parents and their learning. neighborhood. That's right. Yeah. And that, that's all. I mean, Yankee. We're playing, I'm playing my first freshman game against Auburn down there at a middle linebacker. So you were so and so Yankee man, and I am left him back and forth. And I said, I tell you, right at the line of scrimmage, man. By the way, I do want to say I prefer the name Broadway Joe. Uh, to the N word? Yes, yes, I yeah. really do. And uh, you know, that comes from what we were talking about earlier with the Jets. The ownership was great with the Jets then. A man named Sonny, or David A. Sonny Werbler, I tell you what, the league owed him a whole lot. He literally said stars sell tickets. In sports, you weren't allowed to be a star. Right. You weren't allowed to, I did it, man, we did, you know. But you had that, you had that understanding early on, like, you know, the fur coats and the uh, outrageousness, and you were, you, you, I mean, I remember as a kid looking at you and going, man, that guy's like a... He's cocky. You know, it's almost like what Muhammad Ali knew. He knew he had to be a bit of a professional wrestler. You know what I mean? He, he would imitate those guys and get, get, get box office for his boxing. You had that. How did you know how to do that? How did you know how to set yourself, especially in a sport where you're not supposed to be a star? You know, thanks for mentioning Muhammad. <laughs> I loved him. He was terrific. You knew him? Yes, absolutely. On a personal uh, level? Yes, yes. How'd you get to meet him? 
Uh, we were opening. I was a part of a fast food restaurant called Broadway Joe's. We're getting ready to open on the 79th Street Causeway. It's the very first day, and I go in there with the owners. There's a guy sitting back in the corner by himself. There aren't any other customers in there. And I looked and looked. That's Cassius Clay. Oh, man. So I went on back there, and I said, hey, man, how you doing? Because, you know, he'd already beaten Sonny List, and I listened on the radio. You know, we didn't have television. I remember those fights I listened to. Yeah. And we started right off then, and it was wonderful. Yeah. Wow. So as I mentioned, McCocky uh, was not the Did word. you hang out with him? Well, no, not hang out. We were in the same area a lot of time. We were together a lot parties, of times. He's held my daughter in his arms, you know. Wow. Parties, no. I, not, not, not parties. It was more work and uh, away from work, private work. You know, memorabilia shows, uh, TV shows. Right. And you uh, Dick Schaap and I hosted the show. You know, we had Muhammad on with George right. Siegel, which uh, was a wonderful time. You talk about a show business career. You used to fill in for Johnny Carson. That happened. Yeah, it was, and I didn't know it at the time. You know, there's a, do you did you get nervous before a game, or are you one of those rare individuals that doesn't? It seems to me to be a great quarterback. You got to be loose as a goose. You have to learn, and you should learn along the way that it's great to have the adrenaline flowing, the urgency in the system to be quick. But efficiently, right? Uh, you know, getting on stage, theater, whatever. You know, you love that feeling of getting ready to perform, man, and you don't have a negative vibe about it at that point. But yeah. early on, you do. So when you would host the Tonight Show, the biggest show in television, uh, and filling for Johnny Carson, you weren't feeling the pressure that, let's say, a comedian would feel because you 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 were like on top of the world, I guess, right? I, I didn't have enough sense to feel it. Freddie DeCordova, the, the gentleman that was running the show, yeah, and Ed Sullivan was so nice. I had been on the show before, and I got to know those guys, so they gave me enough confidence to be there because I knew that they were...
all those countries that nobody, Italy, uh, <laughs> a bunch of European countries we don't even see or we do see. He always goes over there. Because he, he likes her barrier. He's like, I, I pee on your barrier. I'm just going to go right oh there. Oh my goodness. Huh, you're a sassy dog. My goodness. <laughs> oh, wow. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, he's, I'm, he's been hiding he been at here? home. <laughs> okay. Well, because I go to yoga in the morning. Oh, well, okay. Does so he go with you to yoga? Well, I put the windows down, so it wasn't too bad for him this morning. Oh, okay. But they, they have goat yoga. Did you ever do that? No, I haven't. I've, I've, I've seen, seen it. it Interesting. What's it called? Goat yoga. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. But dogs do yoga naturally. Oh, well, yeah, that, yeah. That. Cats and dogs. Yeah. The, you know, does that nice called stretch. the doggy pose. What's up? Down, up dog and downward dog. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look at that. Wow. <laughs> you don't want to wear his... Uh, Yeah. 